All right, so, you know, I don't want to talk too much about politics all the time. So, uh, you know, this is uh, predominantly politically oriented, I would say. You know, it's a fair, fair statement, right, Ari? But uh, so, so let's move into something that is not political. Here it is. I think Trump's going to win in November, really big time. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> okay, that's good. No, it's, I mean, obviously that's political. Tough luck. This is the way it's going to be for, for a second. Well, no, I think that we can say, honestly, but, no, this is cultural. We are very <laughs> giddy about this. You know, Ari was telling me offline just a little while ago that he was in the street putting, uh, I guess, money in his parking meter, and uh, he had Rush Limbaugh on, obviously a conservative commentator, and this woman uh, came up and said, I just want you to know, I love that show, and I love Trump. And um, anyway, so it's like, like these two people that find each other in the, in the heart of liberal uh, Los Angeles, uh, realizing, you know, that this is it. This is so cool. It almost feels like, like when you, let's say you've been dating around a lot, never feel, uh, find the right guy, the right girl. And suddenly, you know, if it were for me, you know, I love my wife. She's great. But let's say if I were in the dating scene, I meet somebody and she's Jewish uh, and just the right level of observance like mine, she loves Trump, she loves America, she loves Israel, um, she's really pretty, she's the right age, whatever that means, right? Uh, she's the right height, she's got a beautiful, beautiful figure, she's got a great sense of humor, she loves mountain biking, she's a vegan, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and she loves listening to Dennis Prager and Rush Limbaugh and all that good stuff, and she, she likes to read and, and talk about that. The, the love of, that she has for God and, and godlessness is so dangerous. Okay, so that's the... And kid. she's read all three of your books. Right, oh, okay. Multiple times. The multiple times. Without me knowing <laughs> it, right? So, and, and she has five business and real estate cases for you. Right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no, she's, she's well, very well connected in the business world. With headhunters. Oh, and P.S., she would love five children, please, at least. Okay? I mean, so, you know, if, if such a woman came to me while I was in my dating, you know, in the 30s, I would just because my mouth would be agape, like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. <laughs> and I would say, "Can we get married like tomorrow?" I just, you know, no, I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush into anything by today. Because, uh, so let's just do it tomorrow. <laughs> That's all. Is, is that cool with you? Well, you and she likewise would say, and she likewise would say, "Yeah, I think that sounds good." Okay, that's yeah. how perfect it would be. All right. Now, <laughs> that's the way it feels like when you meet a Trump supporter. In Los Angeles, yeah. like, oh my God, like, okay, man or woman, if if you see a Trump supporter in Santa Monica, in Brentwood, you know, the classic liberal areas here in Los Angeles, and you see a Trump supporter, you you want to hug them, right? I mean, you you just you just say, isn't he the best? Isn't yeah. he awesome? And you want to hug him or her, and 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 it's okay, and they'll want to hug you back. They want to say, dude, let's let's keep it cool. Regardless of COVID, by the way, they, even in the time of COVID, I'll say, yeah, absolutely, cool. And have a great one. God bless. And you just, you have a, a what is it, a spring in your step, and you feel great the whole day. That's the way it feels these days to have a But the, here's the great news. There are millions of such people. They just don't show it. Okay? Millions. And we now know it. C-SPAN uh, had this uh, enormous supply of uh, former Democrats. Oh, who had, this is the funniest Yeah, thing who, had, who had even voted for uh, Hillary in 2016. Like recently, right? That's, that's less than four years ago. Yeah. And they're all on the Trump train. I mean, it's, it's really quite lovely. And now we're seeing 
Ohio is now in the polling. And by the way, this is the biased polling. Even under the biased polling, Ohio is a dead heat. Michigan is a dead heat. Although Michigan switched, it's for Trump now. Oh, okay. He took the lead. What a difference a couple of hours makes, yeah. <laughs> right? Oh. Minnesota is now a dead heat. No, no, Minnesota actually flipped to Trump. Okay. It actually flipped. Okay, but they can say it's within the margin of error, whatever. Right. The, the point is, margin of error or not. Yeah, with the with all the inherent flaws but, and biases, a, a dead heat is a Trump win. By that's what points. I'm about to say, yes. I Here's what I do. And I did this in 2016, by the way. But now I'm doing it almost mechanically now. Back in 2016, when I saw a poll regarding this or that uh, battleground state, because that's what really mattered, right, the battleground states, uh, when I saw a poll, I just added five points for Trump. Right. Okay? And Ohio, for example, was a good example. Um, And Florida. I'll talk about Ohio and Florida, both of which were battleground states. Ohio, they said, well, that's dead even. You know, it's a toss-up. You know, it could be Trump or Hillary. You know, who knows? I just said, that's, that's a Trump state then. It's five, five points. Yeah. How did Ohio vote for Trump? Five points. He, he, won, he, he won it by five points. Okay? I, uh, Florida, they were down by two points. Trump was down by two points. How much did he win Florida? He won by three points. That's five points. That's a five-point spread. So I, I, I'd like to say, oh, I was right, I was right. I, it's not me being right. Well, you it's, were right because you you put in enough data points to give you an yes, accurate output all. at the end. Yeah, it's just and, mathematical. And, that's all and, it was. And the simple thing is with millions of conservatives like me who are who are over the, the Schwarzenegger, um, not effect, but the Schwarzenegger um, uh, concern, right. anticipation that we were being flipped on, Right. Uh, by someone who's telling us what we want to hear. That's over. So now we have millions of conservatives who are brought into the fold. The interesting thing, a friend of mine put it in this way that I think just summarized it perfectly. There is almost nobody who voted for Trump because they wanted a conservative president who's going to say today, hey, I'm going to vote for Biden now. Well, that's what I've been Meanwhile, saying. Meanwhile, yeah. there are millions of either non-voter, non-Trump supporters from 2016 like myself or Democrat supporters who are now voting for Trump for a whole suite of reasons. Yeah, and, it's, it's, and, too, it's too easy because yeah. well, we talked about the three different kinds of voters, right? The, the, the three different kinds of voters that are going to, who have the ability to change the vote. Okay, let's put it that way. The hardcore leftists like the Bernie Sanders, of course, they're not going to vote for uh, Trump. Yeah, but like I met on the street, I told you just before, she ain't vote she, for being Biden either. Which is fine. Yeah, and I okay. mean declaratively. You right. can tell that is not a vote he's ever getting. Okay, so so what I'm saying is there's the, the tepid Hillary voters or the ones who voted because their family typically voted Democrat. And then there is the independent voters who truly switch back and forth uh, every uh, election cycle. And then there's the tepid conservative voter, or sorry, the conservative voter who tepidly voted for Trump. That was me. I voted for him because I wanted to make sure that Hillary didn't get any votes. There was no yeah. chance, whatever it was. I wanted to make, register my vote. And then, of course, you have the diehard uh, Trumpists who are, are certainly going to vote for him again. So the three that can change, meaning the, the kind of the moderate Democrats, the independents, and the tepid uh, Trump supporters back in 2016 are all radically moving to the right. Now, that's, that's not a good phrase, but, you know, strongly pushing to the right. And that's uh, well, why he's... to the Trump. Pushing, pushing to, to the, the Trump. Trump. Yeah, good point. So here we are. 
Um, and that's why we're so animated about this. I would never have heard, I mean, you and I, when, when we, you know, in the season before uh, the election, we were worried about Trump, but we knew that Trump was going to be better than Hillary Clinton. That, 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 that much we knew. So, so we voted for, for uh, Trump, and, and we're happy about that. But we never would have thought that you and I would be speaking with the passion for Trump that we now have. Yeah. I had no inkling that he would be as conservative as he's been, as conservative as a Ted Cruz. Can you, can you imagine uh, us, because I know both of us have said this at one point, Ari, can you imagine us hearing ourselves back in, let's say, the year 2016, July of 2016, and saying, and, and hearing one of our podcasts uh, in the year 2020, as we are right now, saying, you know, it could very well be that Trump is more conservative than Ronald Reagan ever was. Yeah, or Calvin Coolidge, right. or George Washington. We, that's we, what I think we have here. Right, right. And, and, and I'm, if we I'm heard, happy I was wrong about right. that. I'm, if, we heard ourselves, if we heard ourselves saying that, we'd say, wow. I mean, we, we know that, we will know, we would, we would know back then that there's no way we could have gone that crazy. But we would say, what happened that resulted in our saying such a fantastical um, thing. Like, did we drink some sort of, you know, Kool-Aid? Did we, whatever, obviously we didn't. So we, we would have to then research, okay, let's see what's happening in the coming four years. And then we would begin to see why we're saying what a great president he is. Yeah. We, you know, the embassy thing, the, the way he put China on its heels, how, how we deregulated the economy, yeah, I mean, all the, all the things. That's not it, though. What happened is so simple, which is you had a man, Trump, with an open mind who saw how horrible the leftist wrongists are and were. He, I'm sure his mind was boggled at his treatment. How here he comes in, essentially willing to be a centrist Romney-ish, um, Schwarzenegger-ish guy who's going to, as long as you give me some of the things I want, I'll actually give you some of the things you want. And I'm sure his mind was blown at, not only did they not try to make any deals with him, for a guy who is not the most ideologically oriented person, they tried to have a coup and hoaxes and all this stuff. And I think him experiencing the behavior of the leftist wrongest Democrats right. made him by proxy more conservative through a set of default actions that resulted in the Trump you see today. Okay, the way that I like to look at it is that Trump smashed, no, cut through that Gordian knot. If there's one way of looking at Trump, there's this, this notion that he just looks at the Gordian knot and says, F this, and cuts it. Okay? Now, the Gordian knot reference, it's an important one because people hear that phrase and they kind of have an understanding, but... I, I really yeah, meant it. You're going to explain it because I've never oh, yeah, heard okay. of it before. So please enlighten me. <laughs> All right. So it so comes. So I don't have to pretend I know what he's talking about. <laughs> All right. What's your impression of the Gordian knot? I think it has to do with someone named Gordon, but other than that, I have no <laughs> okay, idea. Okay. No. All right. That's very cute. No, it actually comes from the Roman times, and what had happened was that Julius Caesar, there was a. Uh, a huge knot, like a ship's knot, this sort of thing, and it really it was impossible to open it up, and people were trying to unravel it, and it was just very difficult to, to do that. And Caesar just took a huge knife and just slashed right through the Gordian knot. And it was, I don't know why they call it Gordian, but that, obviously it was a knot uh, by the Gordians or whatever, okay? And uh, that was it. End of story. In problem solved, okay? That's what Trump 
does. He slashes through the Gordian knot. And uh, that, that makes him different than all previous Republican presidents and certainly different than all Democrat presidents. And I, and I love that about him. We all do. Okay, I want to move on to a slightly different topic, but very related. There's something that fascinates me about leftists. And I, and I say this because I have leftists, uh, a leftist sibling and two very liberal, maybe also leftist uh, siblings. So three at least uh, very liberal uh, siblings, okay? No other sibling of mine, I'm one of four, is uh, conservative by the slightest. My parents are conservative, but not, uh, not my siblings. And I love them all. We're very, very close. In fact, my, my wife is uh, very um, envious of how close the four of us are. So we, we make it work somehow, even though they know how conservative I am. They know about my books. Uh, no doubt they talk be- about me behind my back and how crazy I am and, you know, for believing in God. And, you know, he thinks that uh, there'll be heaven and all that. Whatever. I'm sure they mock me in their own way. But I don't care. God is in charge, so that's all that matters to me. What fascinates me with my own relatives, and especially my friends, who know that I'm conservative, and they know I have a radio show, they know that I write on these topics, not once from any of them have I heard them ever ask the following question. Tell me why you're a conservative, Barack. What is it about conservatism that that you that you drew you to it. In fact, I I knew I know that you were once a liberal, and then you became a conservative. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about that? What what caused you to think that? I'm going to ask you, and I don't know the answer to this, Ari. I did this with my producer yesterday on my Sunday show, to my producer over there. I, I'm going to ask you this question: Have any of your leftist slash liberal friends? No. Asked you why you chose no. to become a conservative. No, okay, of there you not. go. Okay, it, I'm not surprised. Okay, I didn't. I took the chance, so to speak. But if if it's there was one of the hallmarks of a liberal that uh, they don't ask, they that. don't ask the question. But, and there's reasons. Yeah, or, I'll get to I'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. Okay, and then I. But, then they, I, but it's the hallmark of how you know you're dealing with, I, if you will, an unpersuadable entity. Like, it, it, wait, 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 hold on. I just want to move on to a different topic. I mean, hold on. Oh, hold okay. On. I want, I want to get to that. Yeah. Keep, keep that, you know, keep that in your pocket for now. So even if you were to say, well, yes, back in 1999, there was a guy who did ask me about that. And, 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 but the fact that it would be such a minor situation, right? The, the fact that there's so few asking you, that, that says something. But I'll put it to even further, that even if you were to say, you know, actually, back in 1999, there was this guy that did ask me about my conservatism. I guarantee you that if you po- it presented such a, a hypothetical person, I would then be able to say to you, and he became conservative, didn't he? Yeah. And then you would say, in fact, he did. That's right. How would you know that, Barack? Because I'll, and I'll tell you, the reason why I know is that anybody who asks the question, tell me a little bit more. About, I'm curious why, why you became a conservative. Every single one that I know who has asked the question they, in turn, become conservative. Uh, I would go even one further, which is I believe in the idea that there's a lot of people out there who are conservative but don't know it. Mm. And that's how, how I categorize these people. They're, they're conservative. They just don't know they are. 
And those who ask the question are opening the channel to then self-identify and realize, if you will, um, uh, fulfill what they, fulfill their true identity, if you will. I like it. Yeah. I like that a lot. In transgender yeah. stuff, there's this horribly disgusting term yet yeah, I know we've heard before called uh, gender affirming. Yeah. Right. So I call them conservative affirming people. You know what I mean? They. Right. It's like it's like they have a gender dysphoria and they just need it confirmed for them that yes, you're a tranny, you're transgender, or here I'll right. take you in. It's that same kind of principle they try to use <laughs> in that world. All right. So let me let me move on to a related uh, game that you can play. And I really consider it a game, but it shouldn't be. I started noticing that because they were not asking me these questions. I mean, it was really frustrating for me because I, I love my siblings, but not one of them have, have ever asked, tell me about how you came to conservatives. I know, I, Brock, you're my brother. I, I saw you go from one day being a liberal to being a conservative, and you're announcing that you're supportive of the conservative cause. I would think they would ask me why. I mean, they know me deeply. Right? They would want to know, how, how come I went off the reservation? So how come I chose this crazy conservative political affiliation? And they never asked me, not even my own siblings, who, with whom I speak at least twice a week, one way or the other. And one day, I just asked them, you know, aren't you interested in knowing why I became conservative? And they just changed the subject. I said, but, but your brother has changed from being a liberal to a conservative. Don't you want to know why? And they just said, well, I figure because, you know, you started making some money, <laughs> right? Because I, I became successful in my law firm and, uh, you know, really successful, I'm, I'm proud to say. Uh, we do very well. And I said, but whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I became conservative way before my law firm took off. And I was well recognized and such. And there, that doesn't explain all these liberals who are very successful. In fact, most of the high-end, very wealthy, uber-wealthy people that you meet are, are liberals. So that doesn't really resonate, doesn't explain very much, especially since I became conservative way before I, paid, I became successful. Right, it's a stereotype. It's like saying uh, black people like Cadillacs or something. Is sure. Rich people vote Democrat. Uh, it is a start. No, no, they don't. That's a good. It's a good uh, point. And Not all so, black people drive Cadillacs, and most rich people, most, or I should say, most black people don't drive Cadillacs. In, in I, fact, it, and most rich people don't vote Republican. You know. And to your point, in fact, when I converted to becoming a conservative, realizing that I was conservative, uh, I think I was the most down on my luck financially in my life. You know, I had a sense that I'd get back on track. I, and I wasn't on the verge of bankruptcy or anything. Yeah, but, but you had but, no relation. But I had no, I mean, you might as well say, you know, I, I had a headache that day. Or, you know, I, I don't know, I, I ate a Big Mac that day. Or it, it had nothing to do with my financial status. Yes. And they still won't accept it. And I wanted, I wanted to make it very clear to them. Do not think that. I, I wanted to take that out of the equation. Listen, you can believe whatever you want to believe. You're not even asking me why. This is the horse's mouth. Right here, I pointed it to my yeah. own mouth. You can ask me, but you're not asking me. But I'll tell you what you can't think. It's not because I am now successful in my law practice and my, my uh, you know, book practice, uh, success of my books and such like that, and my speaking engagements. It, no, that's not the reason why. Don't think that for a moment. So I took that out of the equation. So, so one day I just said, okay, 
I, I point blank to one of my sisters. I said, what do you think I think from a political standpoint of view? What do you believe I believe? Okay? <laughs> and, she, and she goes, well, I don't know what you believe. I said, okay, what do you believe conservatives believe? A conservative like me believes. Go. And she said, Words to the effect of, I don't remember the exact words, of course. I am paraphrasing. She said that, that white people have a more deserving position in society. She didn't call me an outright racist, but nevertheless, that I believed that white well, people were better off. She clearly didn't want to say that to your face, but that's clearly what she felt. What she meant, yeah. She felt uh, that, that um, econo- from an economics point of view, that, uh, that conservatives don't really care about poor people and that they're in it just to make wealth and that money is the more paradigm, the, the most paramount. Words, she called you a greedy racist. That's what the, she the, did. The most paramount issue is money. Yeah, so she okay. called you greedy and a racist. Right. She didn't want to use those words directly, but it's the, she, we, we call that acting, she crossed the bridge. She thought, well, he's a greedy racist, but what can I say that aren't the words calling him a greedy racist because I don't want to fight, so I'll say this over here, which means greedy and racist. Right. And then there was also an issue of ethnocentrism. You know, she used that phrase, I think, and that uh, you know, because America is the best. Wow, I feel I was at a college. Uh, it was a slasher. Jesus. And I said, now, would you like to know what I actually do believe? <laughs> now that I drew it out of her. Yeah. She didn't. She wasn't interested. Of course not. So Rachel Maddow had already told her what you think. Right. And Rachel Maddow had told her that you are a racist and greedy and a greedy racist, and that was it. Right. And anything that. Dares to burst that bubble, threatens to possibly make her a greedy racist too, so she can't hear it. Right. No, it's it's. They do not want to hear it. That's the point. And I, I well, ultimately, they, they, they do not not do not want to. They can't. They cannot hear it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They do not want to hear it. It would threaten their whole world view. It's a little bit like, you know, I, I was I was married once. I got some feedback from some of my friends telling me some concerns that they had about this woman. And I didn't want to hear it. Why? Because she was really pretty. She had a really nice body. (laughs) And she had a nice smile. And I wanted to believe certain things about her. Okay? Yeah, like she's not a psychopath. But she's not, she's she not was not a psychopath. Knife you in your back. She's yeah. not going to throw a gasoline on you while you sleep and set on fire. Those are things you didn't want to hear because she's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of things. It wasn't that. She was a lovely woman in many ways. But the, the most important thing was that she really wasn't interested in having a family. And I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to hear that everything was going to be okay, that I was going to have the at least three kids that I wanted with her. And, uh, and, you know, she was really open to that and that we had the same ideology and everything yeah, she else. She is. She just didn't want to have the same three kids with you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that insult. Uh, by the way, well, the point is, you, when you're married to a person, based on the amount of investment, and I don't mean financial, I just mean investment of all things that one puts into a spouse, right? You don't want to hear that. Once you've gone down this road, you don't want to hear, uh, Barack, you want to be on that freeway over here. <laughs> I know, here, exactly right. Not this one. I was going down the wrong path. Uh, but the point is, and it was really regarding the family situation. By the way, you know, she, she really is a lovely woman. Um, and she did get 
married, remarried again many years later, and she did have one kid. It's exactly what I, the screenplay that I thought was going to happen, but I wasn't willing to wait another 10 years to have only one kid. I wanted to get, have kids right away, and uh, at the age I was, I, you know, I wasn't getting any younger. I wanted at least three kids. So I met my beautiful wife, and I have my extraordinary, wonderful three kids. You've met them. You know how good they are. And I'm, I'm so happy now. The point is that I heard what I wanted to hear, and I blocked off. But once I began to realize that people were beginning to say the same thing, like three different friends who didn't know each other, who were saying the same thing to me. Yeah, we clearly weren't working in cahoots or having an agenda. It was right. just what they observed. Right. That, that, that's when I started to see that there's something going on here and that perhaps I just opened my, myself up to say, you know what, could it be, Barack, that you are walling yourself off from certain re realities that are staring you right in the face? You just don't want to see it. And once I said, I answered, you know, the question itself uh, gave me the answer. It's one of those questions. It's a rhetorical, I guess, a, a rhetorical question. Once I said, could it be that I'm walling myself off? The answer was, of course, yes. And... I, you know, had a nice talk with her at the time and then said, listen, I, maybe we ought not to be together anymore because I, I really do want a family. I don't, I don't think that you want the family as much as I do. And maybe we have different needs. I mean, we love each other. I want the best for you. I want you to be happy and I want me to be happy. But maybe we just can't make it work. So that's how we, we did divorce. Uh, thankfully, it was a relatively uh, you know, easy divorce. We didn't have kids, so that was one of the main issues. And so that made it a lot easier. And it's 20 years later and maybe even more. Yeah, you separate the record in book collections and you get your own apartments. It's pretty simple. You know? Yes, exactly right. So that's that, 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 a great point. Yeah. They can't, and that's why I say the word they can't hear it. I don't mean from an audio pickup that their ears work. It's that... They can't afford It's to not hear. like an alcoholic who can't hit rock bottom because it would force them to change their ways. It, when, when liberals realize the error of their ways, it's a life-changing moment in which they cannot go on any further in that way because it is such an immoral, disgusting, vile position. I mean, think about how the one thing all of these unpersuadable liberals have in common is the absolute certainty of belief that we're racist and greedy, right? Right. And the idea that the reality and the idea that, that the reality is really that they are racist and greedy is life-altering to them, and they cannot handle that. Yeah, exactly right. They can't handle that. Look, we talked before about asking the question, right? Why is it that you became a conservative, right? I, I know because I'm not an idiot. That? <laughs> well, that's another story. <laughs> but I but see myself because I, I was once a liberal. What caused me and what caused you? I can I can speak for myself, of course. What caused me to become a liberal is I I respected these two particular gentlemen. Uh, they were friends of mine, and I knew they were staunch staunch conservatives. And I I remember discovering that one of them was a conservative. When I said, you know, so oh, how did you feel about the, uh, the election when, it, when Bush had won the election in uh, 2000? And he said to me, Barack, I watched the election, of course, on the TV. And I stood up, put my hand on my heart, and I said, God bless America. And I, and I also pledged the Pledge of Allegiance. And I thought, wow, 
that is crazy talk, I thought. But then I thought he said it so confidently, so meaningfully, and this guy was so super intelligent, it stuck with me. And then I, so I asked him a little bit, it's like, tell me why you're a conservative, can you, can you help me understand? Because I'm not, I, you know, at the time I, I kind of fudged it a little bit. I said, I'm middle of the road, I'm trying to figure out my political way. You know, tell me why you're a conservative. I'm asking a lot of people. And then so he started explaining about limited government and, you know, what works and the right to life and things like this. And I said, that's really interesting. And it actually, it, it really resonated a lot with me. And then I went to my other friend that I was telling you about. And I said, you know, Bill, can I ask you a little bit more about your conservatism? Why is it that I'm, I'm trying to, I'm with you on issue X and Y, but I'm, I, I don't, I want to understand the other issues, why I should be on the conservative side of those issues. Can you help me with this? He just went one, two, three. And I said, yep, 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 that makes sense. Okay. And I realized I was conservative. And it was, it was really a, a fun moment. Wait, it, it, it was a moment that what made you conservative is the ability the you ability. had to ask the question and then with an open mind receive an answer. That's exactly what it was. The open mind is the big one. That's exactly what it was. It took an open mind to ask the question. It took a fully open mind to be able to honestly hear the answer. They don't even ask the question. Yeah. That and is I the know, point. And I know this, that probably a good title for this one. Uh, and I know I'm meeting a conservative when they ask the question. The se- and I don't care how, who they voted for, what they believe on any issue. The second a person who I'm friends with or don't know, but who asked me the question in a sincere and open way, I know they're really conservative. Right. And I tell them that. I say, and by the way, you because you've asked the question, you are actually conservative. You just don't fully know it yet. Right. But you'll figure it right. out. And they take it as a compliment. They do. They do. It's, it's really wonderful. Look, so those are the two things that I noticed, uh, and then I want to move on a little to another different area, but uh, the two things that I did notice was that they don't ask the question they never ask you, as a conservative, whether why you have become a conservative. And it's, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? You know, it's one of those epiphanies that you have, uh, like the epiphany that, that you and I have had, uh, you know, many years ago, that there's no Democrat agenda or policy that has ever worked, right? I mean, that's, that's quite an epiphany when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's not a hard one. I mean, it's like you it's said- It's an amazing- reality that is simply not mentioned in popular right. culture and media. Right. But now, is absolutely true when you really think about it. Right. It's it's yeah. uh, frightening. And then this other epiphany that they, you know, that you as a conservative and you, you the listener right now, think about it. Think about your own friends, your own relatives who are left-leaning or leftist or liberal or whatever it is who are staunch in their belief. Just ask yourself, have they ever asked me why I am a conservative. And the answer, I know, I know, I know what you're saying right now, my listener, listening friend. You're saying, the answer is no. They never have. Of course not. And if, if for some reason you do stumble upon such a, a unicorn, well, that person is going to be a conservative. Yeah, they're just... He's they going just, to be. He just doesn't just know. need a little time. I mean, can he's, I think, he's actually asking you for help. Right. That's, it's, that's it's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> saying, hey, Bill W., can you help me stop drinking? Of course that's I right. can. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's right. Now, you told me about AA, and that has worked for you, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Can you give me their phone number? Okay, they're on their way. Right. right. They are <laughs> okay. on their way. And I, can I make this one more analogy? And this is going to seem like an incredibly radical analogy, but I believe this is absolutely true. 
picture members of the Nazi regime in Nazi Germany yeah. between 1938 and 1941 telling people what Jews believed, without ever asking a Jew what a Jew Oh, I, you're believes. so right. You are so freaking right. Uh, I had this in my book, Rise of the Sex Machines, where the, 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 they were studying masculinity, right? And the, it's, uh, what, what it means, but, but they, they decided they wanted a whole panoply of different kinds of people to, to, to study it, and yes. to answer it. The only people that were not allowed to oh, answer man. it were heterosexual men, right. white men in particular. In men. Yeah. Anybody that was an actual male who's heterosexual, they weren't allowed to participate in yeah. that. And, 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 and I literally used the example that you said, yes. which is, it's like, you know, trying to study the Talmud without asking a single Jew. You, right. you, you know, I, I'm sorry, but you really ought to ask a Jew. That's okay, right. somebody who at least identifies as a Jew who studied this crap. Okay? Yeah, and I don't yeah, mean it as crap. Not, I mean, like, you, don't, you understand you, what I mean. You brought the beautiful analogy in podcast past of, oh, well, I'm only going to look for my keys in the dark where the light is. Yes, that is so true. Right? Whether I dropped it there or not, the light's here, so it must be there. So I'm only, I'm making sure not, it's like, it's like hydroxychloroquine or any, these other things for the China flu COVID-19 situation. We will find the therapeutics and the treatments only in the places where it isn't, right? <laughs> we will only ask non-Jews and Jew haters what Jews believe. Right. You know, we'll only, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. we will only ask college professors what Islam is. We will only ask men of color who also have a radical agenda what masculinity is. We won't ask white men who are heterosexual or any man of color, you know, of any other ethnicity, who has a standard outlook on life, what masculinity is. Only a wackadoo, right? Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that'll be reported in the New York Times. And then they'll say, look, the New York Times proclaims that masculinity is X, right? I mean, it's just, it's so funny. Okay, so we got, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're on board with this. Let's talk about some of the more interesting, fun little tidbits that we are now realizing through the COVID situation and the riots situation. Well, first, hydroxychloroquine works and no one's dying. Okay, full stop. <laughs> Thank you. Let me, let He's me, here all week, folks. Let's go to a restaurant now. Yes, that's right. Okay, I so. want to see a movie. <laughs> Sorry. I am so tired of this mask crap. <laughs> all right, it's, look, by the way. Oh, I, this is how I'm wearing masks from now on. Oh, Ready? Oh my it's God. my thong, okay? My, my, my friends, you do not want to see what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> Let's just put it this way. You I'm lucky do. I have something here I can hook this on. Oh, God. <laughs> and now if I could just stretch He's, this around and hook it there. I would describe this, <laughs> but to do so would be, I think, so traumatic that you would actually call the police on me. At least get a restraining order on me. Do, do not do another podcast. If I were to describe this, <laughs> what, what Ari just did. <laughs> with a mask. With the mask. <laughs> Well, it was okay. certainly a good so, use for it. I, I'm just going to ask um, my, my assistant here to please uh, get the security, please. Yeah, let's get security right now. Yeah. Drag him away. I want to finish this podcast on my own. Yes, thank you. All right, anyway, <laughs> he's a poor guy. All right, so hydroxychloroquine, all, all that stuff. Okay, of course, the inconsistencies. But what I love about all this is that I know that people understand that this is crap. They, they've seen us go from the flatten the curve to reduce the mortality. Spread. No, no. Hold on, yeah. let me finish. Flatten the curve, which is supposed to be two to three weeks. Maximum. Maximum. 
Yeah, we're on day 200 of that. Right. Well, no, no, it's the, no. The flattening, at least they don't pretend that we're still flattening the curve, okay? That, of course, had never happened. We, it, you know, people didn't need to flood that ship that was in New York Harbor or anything yeah. else, okay? Then it went from that to, well, we, we got to see a reduction in the mortality rate because, you know, COVID kills and all that stuff. Um, and then, of course, the mortality rate went way down, and it's not really a threat anymore. I mean, look, every life is precious and such, but they inflated the numbers, even with the inflated numbers, that the mortality rates were going down dramatically. And we discovered that the, uh, the mortality rate itself was 0.03%. Okay, that's, oh, no, 0.3%, very, very small. Not the 4 to 10% nonsense that they were trying to, to peddle before. Now, they're going to stop the spread, okay? They, they, they want to reduce the number of cases, okay? A case meaning an infection, yeah. okay? While at the same time testing everyone with a false positivity rate built into the cake of 5%. Right, right? It's, it's an absurd so. scenario. So everyone's understanding that that's BS, okay? Then the mask situation. Well, you know, it's like the, she's my sister, she's my daughter, she's my, you know. The, the masks are... Are, are, are useless. The mask, you have to wear a mask. The masks are useless. The mask, you have to wear a mask. It's very, very frustrating and it's very, you know, whiplashing. Uh, but I didn't buy it from the get go. Yeah, but now we just have to wear masks or be harassed on the street just to show we care. Yeah. It doesn't do anything, but it shows we care. Okay, so here's what you do, by the way, when you see. Now, there's the Ari way and there's the Baruch way. Let me just give the, the Ari way. better. Okay. But tell us your way. <laughs> it tells you a silly little way. So I was I was uh, riding my bike uh, in Santa Monica. There's, there's a very nice area north of Montana. And it's it's very quiet. There are very few people there. Okay, it's a beautiful day. I'm riding my bike, and I see a woman uh, on the sidewalk. She's easily, um, I say, 30 feet away from me. She's going one direction. I'm going the other. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm a gregarious guy. I like to say hello to people. I think saying good morning to people is a healthy thing. It, it's, it's necessary, but that's another story. So I say, hi, good morning. And I'm passing by, and she says, she kind of mumbles, wear a mask, like this. So I say, give it a rest. Just give it a rest, lady. And she, and she kind of gave this apoplectic look and everything else. She couldn't respond. I was already, you know, well past her at this point. But... She said her piece, and then I said my piece. But give it a rest is, I think, an excellent response. Because, first of all, you're not swearing at her. Um, you're basically, in, in so many words, four words, give it a rest. Basically saying to her, listen, this is old news. Uh, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. This is not working. And I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to this nonsense. That, now, having said that, let's hear the RE way. What I do, <clears throat> and I do this a lot now, is I say, what do you say about George Floyd? <laughs> he deserves what? And then I go, you're a racist. Like, that loud. And then I scream, racist, racist, ra he thinks George Floyd got what he deserved. You're a racist, Black Lives Matter. <laughs> that, <Jesus>. that. <laughs> Causes oh. fear and oh. disruption. I think I just uh, suffered post-traumatic stress syndrome just now. And ladies and gentlemen, if you are suffering from post-traumatic <laughs> stress syndrome from one Ari David, call me. <laughs> no, in fact, don't call me <laughs> because I don't want you to sue me for Deal this. Deal with it yourself. <laughs> this, that, I'm traumatized. Ari, what, what are you doing to me? 
Imagine how the guy in light at the Santa Monica Farmer's Market on Saturday right. felt. Okay, so anyway, I get it. But that, it works. Shut the hell up. Yeah, I, for, I think for the reasons that you don't, and, don't realize. I have to say one thing that's really funny. He's uh, not wait, shutting up because he agrees with no, you. Listen, listen. Oh my There's God. a black guy at the Santa Monica Farmer's Market who's a friend of mine. So he's in this jerk behind me is in line. Uh, you know, to get into the Santa Monica Communist Food Collective <laughs> behind me. And he keeps haranguing me about masks. Can I basically tell him to F off in so many words? My body, my choice. This is America. Leave me alone. When we get to the front of the line, this black guy who I know, who's sort of one of the street people around there, goes, What's up, Murray D? And I go, Hey, what's up, man? And then I turned it with him watching. I then turned, What did you say about George Floyd? <laughs> and then the black guy says, You got a problem already? I was like, No, he's just a racist. And I walk into the market, and this poor white guy is liberal. Is like, Oh, I'm dead. <laughs> so that's how you handle it. Everyone out there, that's how you handle it. All right, I'm going to just let the listener decide. <laughs> they know there's I'm the, right. There's the Ari way, and there's the Barack way. Okay. Also, there's the Homer Simpson way, which is the same as the wrong way, but faster. <laughs> All right. Anyway, so let, let, let's talk about um, the, 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 the election. <laughs> All right. You have to Usually, I do, I do. I do. I won't ever use it. But I, I'll stick to my approach. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, but you know if we're in the street together, like if we grab lunch and you know that happens. And I know you will have to socially distance yourself as I'm doing this to make sure no one knows you know me. As usual. But you will be laughing really hard when you see the reaction of these people when I do that to them. Because they as no usual, As usual, I'm your sobering yin to your raging yang. <laughs> As usual. All right, let's let's move on to the election. Generally speaking, because the election is so emblematic of where we stand as a nation, right? So, the in the same way that we talked before about how liberals don't want to even ask the question because they're afraid and they cannot hear the answer. They just can't afford to hear the answer, lest it might change them. Right? Uh, it's for that same reason they cannot see. The how they're going over this cliff, they cannot see it whatsoever. They they literally think that that Biden is going to take this in a landslide, in a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> That's even funnier. It than is funnier. George Floyd thing. <laughs> now, look, <laughs> it, it could it could be close. You could argue that you know, hey, we really need to fight for this. But there are there are many liberals, not just a few, many are going to be voting for Trump. That's the way it works. I mean, they, in all the polling is showing that. We, we talked about this before, you know, in Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, it's at least tied. And if anything, it's showing that we're going to do a slaughter. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be so extensive, Ari, that when November 3rd rolls around, they're going to lock up Donald Trump for manslaughter. That's how bad. That's how bad a slaughter it's going to be. Okay. 
you know, sir, you have to come with me. Uh, you killed a political party. You, you, you're, you're, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, it, that was just, that was just wrong. Unjustified killing of a political. It, it'll be party. the equivalent of being in a boxing ring, and instead of, uh, you know, it'd be like Mike Tyson. You know, you're, you're gonna start eating the guy's ear or something like that. But it won't even be that bad. It, they're just gonna say it's gonna be such a slaughter. How could you do that, sir? Well, you know, they did it to themselves. Don't forget the one where Mike Tyson bit Evander Holyfield's ear is a match he lost. So yes. you're talking about ones where he what didn't need to bite. Yeah, no, it's, it's as if he pulled out a gun. It's more like Indiana Jones, you know. Right. Like, boom! It's a, no, listen, it's a it's a fair weapon. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that that is the problem. They they just they have no interest in seeing it. They can't see it, like we said. Look, there's this an example of this guy named Shore. I forget his first name. Uh, he worked for some sort of liberal organization, some polling thing. And he's basically arguing in, a, in his analysis, look, it looks really bad for the Democrats. We are going to lose unless we kind of understand what the direction, you know, we change course one way or the other. We, we got to figure this out. Michael Moore said the same thing, by the way. Yeah. So he, at least Michael Moore kind of understands what's going on. I mean, yeah. you got to give it to him. And yeah. Bill Moore, yeah. All points to this enthusiasm gap that's missing. Yeah, it's totally missing. And uh, so they're sounding the alarm. But this guy, sure, he sounds it, you know, with data points and says, you know, we're, we're going to lose. And I, what's, the, what's the pushback? He gets fired for doing this. Was there anything wrong? Literally, that's all he said. We're going to lose. Uh, the enthusiasm brings up about that, different data points. And they, they fire him for, because they consider his analysis to be dispiriting and anti-black. Anti-black! So a guy whose job it is to tell you what's really going on is fired for telling someone what's really yes. going on. That's like you firing your administrative assistant for telling you that there's a client in the waiting room. Right. 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 Yeah. How dare you? How yeah, dare you bother me? You disturb my <laughs> tranquility. Yeah, um, she's doing her job. Right? Yeah. And it, like, there's no fire here. You're disturbing our, our, our you're dispiriting there's, us. We have to fire you. Not, nothing. That's cancel culture to a whole new level. Oh, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. You know, we, there's no fire here. There's no nothing. There's no, no, no. But, but sir, the, this building is literally built on quicksand. <laughs> and uh, it's also made out of sticks. Um, plus, there's no mortar to actually bind the sticks together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know what? Don't be a racist, <laughs> right? I mean, it's the equivalent of telling an alcoholic, right? You know, Johnny, I think you've got an alcohol problem and um, you really need to fix it. And his response is, you don't love me, do you? <laughs> right? You never loved me. You never supported me. Like, what the heck? What does that have to do with anything? But that's where the Democratic Party is today. Yeah, it's a mass, almost chemically induced delusion of, it, of some sort. In our case, we've identified more spiritual delusion, but it's having the same effect yeah. as a mass poisoning or an intoxication. It's going to be so bad in November. And they do it at their own peril because they, they've made this dichotomy, a dichotomy between voting for someone who wants law and order and someone who's advocating chaos. I mean, we're literally seeing it now for the first time. This is a war, my friends. And in war, you start to see the ugly things. Okay, you see to, to see the ugly ideologies really coming out full force. And not to equate the, the uh, liberals with the Nazis, okay? But just to emphasize my point, you know, before Hitler actually went to war, his racism and his fascism and his uh, dictatorial desires you know, you could read between the tea leaves, but he was saying very nice things, 
or at least things that he, he thought you would buy, and which Europe largely did buy, uh, that he was uh, you know, a peaceful, loving guy, and he didn't want to take over the, the world, and he just want, wanted Lebensraum, which is living space, uh, for Europe by swallowing up Austria. Um, and that's okay. So you could literally buy it at that time, because that's what he said. But when the war happened, and you actually started seeing his viciousness, that's when his true colors came out, right? Now we're beginning to see it. Now we're beginning to see it loud and proud, as it were, with these vicious Antifa and Black Lives Matter guys. Okay, these Black Lives Matter guys who are now saying that Jews need to go away, uh, that are rabidly anti-Semitic, rabidly anti-Israel. Yeah, okay. burning, down, burning down Jewish community centers on college campuses, lighting, uh, vandalizing and lighting uh, synagogues on fire. Right, you know, so that, that's the argument. The classic probe. And Antifa is no better, of course. And then, you know, you see these crazy things like these, these rioters going against the police, and they're yelling at these minority police officers, typically black, some women, some, some of them women, and saying, you're a traitor, you're a traitor. Like, let me get this straight. Okay, so after decades of insisting that the police force uh, represent the composition of minorities percentage-wise in your community, you got that, and you got that more, in fact, than more of a representation minority-wise. Then you call them traitors, right? You get that, right? Yeah. So, and and this is this is from the same crowd that when you know one of the rioters was shot uh, in the head, I think, and I think he died. Um, the rest of the riders surrounded the, 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 the guy and they said, somebody call the police, <laughs> right? That's, that it was, was the greatest moment. Defund the police. Defund the police. Somebody call Take the police. In a blanket. <laughs> we will fry. Hey, call the police. Pookie's been shot. I mean, it's, 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 it was the tragic irony. And, and, and while they're saying it, they don't, even say, they don't even notice the irony, Right. Which I always say, you know, it's like it's all fun and games until, you know, one of your riders is shot, okay? Yeah. Then suddenly they need the police. That's, that's where we are. And this is why, why Trump is going to win so well. You say 50 states. I say 40 states. Probably in between somewhere, right? At the end of the day. But it's going to be a slaughter. And it's going to be very, very bad. And, uh, you know, you made the point, and I think you've got a good point, Ari. Offline you said that part of the reason why... Biden chose Kamala Harris is because he needed to shore up California. She's from California. Uh, because they're so worried about losing California. California is in play. That's how bad it is for the Democrats right now. Yeah, when you, if you are here in Los Angeles and you just walk down the street, you will be shocked by the amount of people, if you're conservative, who agree with you. Or if they're not conservative, they will agree that there's something absolutely rotten in Denmark. Yeah. And something radical electorally has to be done about it. Because I, it's it's no longer, hey, look at this vagrancy, look at this crime, look at this blight. It is, look at those things, and we know who got us here now. now listen, if you're a conservative in Los Angeles or any, you know, typically classically liberal city, and I live on the west side of, of Los Angeles, so that's very liberal. Do, do yourself a favor. It's interesting. Put on a Trump mask or a Trump shirt, if you like. I did a Trump mask 
Uh, it was. That's the only mask they actually ask you to remove. <laughs> exactly. Stores. I'd rather get COVID than, right. than look at your your Trump mask. Anyway, so I, you put on a Trump mask. I, I put on a Trump mask, and I said, "What the hell? I'll just do it. See what happens." I went to a grocery store here in the West Side, which is a fairly hoity-toity grocery store. I needed some stuff, and uh, it's a little too expensive for my taste, but nevertheless, I had to get some stuff, and I put it on just to see what would happen. I could have inverted it, and it would just be black on the outside, right? But no, I just let's see, let's see what happens. And I expected to get glares and stares, and like that, you're a racist and things like that. I literally got one look, like hmm, kind of gave me an eyebrow, uh, but that's about it. Everyone else, thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, and this is in liberal LA. I'm assuming that you if you do that, Whole Foods type of market too. Yeah, maybe don't do it in uh, during the riots in Portland or or in Seattle maybe, while you're actually in the riots. But yeah. I bet you, but I bet you, because not all of Portland is on fire, mind you, right? So go to certain areas, maybe a grocery store in a nicer area, or, or even a you know a place that is not suffering through the riots. And, and wear a Trump mask. See what happens. I bet you'll be surprised. Okay? And that, my friend, reflects a lot about where we're going. And, and, and that's not the only data point I'm looking at. I'm looking at many other data points, as you know, and as we've discussed here so far. But we are seeing a dramatic shift. The enthusiasm for Trump is so wildly out there. We are excited. As we said before, if we were to take a uh, a podcast right now, today's podcast, and sent it back to ourselves back in early 2016, you and I, Ari, because we were doing podcasts back then too, we would say, wow, you know, either we drank some sort of Kool-Aid or we would assume, and I think correctly, that this Trump guy, the one that we were really worried about, he must have done something fantastic because uh, for us to be this enthusiastic about him and so excited about his cause... Good things are happening. To actually be equating him to Ronald Reagan and saying that he surpasses Ronald Reagan in his conservatism, whoa. We'd be happy. Of course we'd be happy. But here we are. Trump is going to take this election by storm. It doesn't matter the degree of of fraud that's going to happen by the the liberals. We know that that's going to happen. It won't be close enough. It won't be close enough. So good news all around. All right. This is Brooke Lurie signing off. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week.